This is Radar with On The Radar coming at you with National League preview of the National League Central. For those who are curious, I usually do long-winded one and a half hours sometimes for both American and National League. So I decided that even though it's more work, I'm going to record separate divisions. So if you're looking for any of the American League teams or the other National League division, you know you can always get the podcasts anywhere on the radar. Check out the YouTube for every week of the hot stove of all the offseason, even when there was a lockout. I'm on the radar. Check out on the radarmedia.com or the blog account, radar4428blogger, or on the Radar Entertainment blog, the Facebook page, to get everything you need from the written preview and anything else. So let's start with this. The Milwaukee Brewers are the best team in the National League Central. And they decided, you know what? We want to compete with the upper echelon teams like Atlanta and Los Angeles. And most recently, I would like for you to, and then I would like to say, like, okay, you got the Giants maybe, the Padres maybe, the Mets spent money, the Phillies spent money. Then you got your own Cardinals. The Brewers are like, we want to get away from those maybe wild card teams and be really like one of the best teams because they don't want to be the team that's like really good in their division but then not beat the two best teams so even though they had an outfield last year of Yelich, Lorenzo Kane, and Jackie Bradley Jr. they said nah we'll give up two minor league players to go get Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is the 30 home run guy, 100 RBI guy you bat in the middle of your lineup, plays a really good defense and throws a lot of runners out and you're like, well, they got Kristen Yelich. Well, the thing is, Yelich hasn't been healthy the past few years, so he's a little bit of a down year. But giving him protection in the lineup with Hunter Renfro takes pressure off him. Then signing Andrew McCutcheon, who, yeah, he's getting up there in age and production, but he's still a very productive hitter at age 35. And with him, Hunter Renfro, splitting at bats at DH and playing the corner spot, and even Yelich now with the DH in the National League can get some DH reps. That's a good offensive outfield. And you still got Lorenzo Cain in center field and Tyrone Taylor as the backup outfielder. So they have a really good outfield. They just got better because imagine a lineup that is Yelich, Renfro, McCutcheon. That's not even before you get to their infielders or the fact that Omar Navarro is one of the better offensive catchers in baseball and made the All-Star team most recently last year. And they, then they went and signed Pedro Severino. Pedro Severino is a really good defensive catcher. He was a little stressed, strained as an everyday catcher when Baltimore was using him. But yeah, good backup. And the infield, after trading for William Adams last year, this dude really showed why the Rays were still going to trade him, but the Rays also had Wander Franco. So it was like, yeah, we don't really need this guy. And then Luis Urias went healthy. He's a good player. And Colton Wong is one of the better two-way players in baseball. He's a great defensive second baseman. He's a top-of-the-order guy. If he and Lorenzo Cain are your table setter for the likes of Renfro, McCutcheon, and Yelich, and Willie Adamas, and Avaris, that's good. And then they have themselves Roddy Telezzi they got last year. So he, along with Keston Hero, they're really good offensive players. Now, I would say Keston Hero should play some third base because they're not the world's greatest second baseman. But they want to play Luis Urias at third base. That's cool. They also brought in Mike Brissaro from the Rays as well. And he is a man without a position. He's really a first baseman stretch playing anywhere else, but he's a good hitter. So any combination of Mike Brissaro, Keston Hira, utility players, Chase Peterson, Pablo Reyes, or Luis Urias and, you know, Hira and Telez, that's good enough offense from your infield. And that's the offense. You look at the pitching staff. Brandon Woodruff is their ace. And Freddy Peralta was is a really good pitcher. But the guy that won the Cy Young Award last year was Corbin Burns. The three of them are the top of your rotation. I don't know how many teams can say we got three all-star caliber pitchers with one of them being a Cy Young winner. And that, 
you know, the back-end guys like Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer and maybe Angel Perdomo or even the young pitcher, that one of their prospects, Aaron Ashby, is a fifth starter. They, they're really set in the starting rotation. The bullpen also has Josh Hader and Devin Williams. Josh Hader is one of the best closers in baseball. Devin Williams on Rookie of the Year. And they still got Brent Suter, who has been a starting pitcher in his career, pitching out of the bullpen. He's really good. And they picked up Trevor Gott, who used to be a promising player with the National, throwing like 100 miles per hour. If he's just, you know, one of your other guys in the bullpen and you re-sign Brad Boxberger, that's good. Because you go Hader 9th and you go Williams 8th inning and then Boxberger and Suter could pitch the 7th or 6th inning and potentially Trevor Gott. That's a good bullpen. The non-roster invitees that they brought into camp, the ones that could make an impact is Rex Brothers, a veteran reliever. He's been around the block. But then you got Luis Perdomo and Josh Lindblom on minor league deals. Those are both guys they had high expectations for in the starting rotation after signing Lindblom from overseas. They moved on from those failure in starting pitching and to have a really good rotation. In minor league deals, they brought in Tyler White and Jonathan Singleton. We all thought that Jonathan Singleton was never going to play baseball after a long-term deal with the Astros. Well, he's a Brewers AAA roster with Tyler White, the former Astro. They also even brought in Abraham Almonte. So if there's any injury, Almonte was useful enough in last year for the Atlanta Braves as like one of their backup outfielders. So I feel like if Milwaukee has any sort of injury, Almonte would really help out as a as a fifth outfielder. And they even brought David and they brought even brought David Dolan, the former Rockies All-Star. Didn't really pitch, play well for the Rockies last year, but he's got a good bat as well. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get, but that's really good. That's where you're just like, okay, Milwaukee's got the the top three pitching, the pitching rotation depth, the bullpen depth. They made their outfield way better than it, than it was before. And, yeah, now that breaking headlines came in with three major leaguers who are for A's got busted for PEDs because they weren't doing it. They announced that Pedro Severino got busted for PEDs. Well, here's the thing. A lot of teams right now are finalizing their four-man roster, not playing veterans. Veterans are opting out. You got San Leone, you got a few other veteran backup catchers who could be picked up off waivers or or who had just been cut from teams in camp. They could pick up with him missing 80 games because I thought that was a great signing because he got the defense and Navarro's has got the offense. That's really gonna work. They lost Manny Pena to the Braves. But yeah, the Brewers are the best team in this division, and it isn't close. The Cardinals last year, man, I went to St. Louis for a three-day weekend and that thing was incredible. They're on this epic winning streak, like the longest streak in their history, to make sure that they just not they they were in the playoffs. And and Tyler O'Neill was on fire. So was Dylan Carlson. So was Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. It was just like amazing to watch this. And last year when they traded for Hap and John Lester and Wade LeBlanc and all these other veteran pitchers, it was like okay, cool. That was the thing. They had this thing. Now the Cardinals like the Brewers have one of the best sets of outfielders because Dylan Carlson could win a gold glove and he came on as a good offensive player. Harrison Bader finally won his gold glove, which he should have won a few years ago. And Tyler O'Neill continues to prove that he's a good defensive outfielder and a middle-of-the-order hitter. Never he or Goldschmidt should be batting second. A lineup with O'Neill, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Dylan Carlson, and Yadi Molina and Paul DeYoung is a really good offensive lineup. That That's where you're just like, wow, they got this really good outfield. They got this solid corner infield combination of Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. And Paul DeYoung and Edmond Sosa at shortstop's not bad. And Tommy Edmond's really good as a table setter at the top of the lineup at second base. 
Then you add the fact that they went and signed Corey Dickerson, who was stretched last year when Toronto was playing him in center field or right field. He won't probably have to play a lot of outfield this year because the Cardinals outfield is set. And with the DH, he's going to be one of the better DH options for a National League team. And they brought in Albert Pujols. So Albert Pujols will bat against the lefties in his final season in baseball. It's a good, you know, coming home, you know, end of his career. He'll bat bat against the the lefties. And Corey Dickerson will bat against the righties. And even Lars Neupar, the youngster from last year, had some great moments last year. That's not bad having those guys. I would like if they had a real fourth outfielder because Lars Newsbar and Core Dickerson are more of corner guys. But in terms of Pujols, Dickerson, and Newsbar, getting it back to DH, giving Paul Goldschmidt some days off to play Pujols, giving O'Neill some days off to play Dickerson or Lars Newsbar, that's really good. The issue is the rotation. Jack Flaherty has been healthy last year, and he's going to start the year in the DL this year. And Alex Reyes, who is a young fireballer who they want in the rotation, and what was the closer last year? He's also starting the year in the DL. They also let Carlos Martinez leave. So they're down two guys there in the rotation. Miles Mikolov, he spent a lot of time on the injured list last year, and Adam Wainwright's getting close to 40 years old, man. So that's what they're relying on is Adam Wainwright, who is actually, I meant my bad, he is 40 years old. Flaherty's starting the year in the DL. Mikolov, who always hasn't been hurt. Dakota Hudson's coming off last year where he was hurt. They could have him as a rotation option. All they signed was Nick Whitgren and Drew Verhagen, who are more swing guys than actual starters. They they traded Daniel Pence, De Leon, and John Gant in previous seasons, so they don't have those guys. Or they they traded them or let them go in free agencies. They don't got those guys. And the bullpen still has Giovanni Gallegos and Genesis Cabrera, who are former starting pitchers who they converted full time into being relief pitchers. And Jordan Hicks, he was supposed to be this great closer, but he's battled some injuries. So if Jordan Hicks is healthy, he'll probably assume the role of closer until Alex Reyes comes back. But I was thinking about Alex Reyes being a starting pitcher if that's what they always wanted. Because the Cardinals rotation, no offense. 40-year-old Wainwright, Miles Mikolas coming off injury season, Dakota Hudson coming off injury season, Flaherty starting the year in the DL, Drew Verhagen and Nick Whitgren being more swing guys, and they did pick up Steven Matz. That was a good move, but again, Steven Matz, I'm a Mets fan. I've seen this. The dude cannot stay healthy. So this whole entire rotation, health is an issue, and Wayne White's 40 years old. And nothing they did in the non-roster invitees for pitchers do anything. I do think Matthew Libator, that's one of the better pitching prospects in baseball that they got in a trade in recent seasons, they should be giving him an opportunity to start because he's got this all this great potential. Zach McAllister, when he was a setup man in Cleveland on those teams with Terry Francona, said, you're no longer a starter, son, you're going to be a reliever. He had some good years. Now, he's battled some injuries, but I feel like this dude is somebody that the Cardinals can rely on and not pay a lot of money to beat pitch significant innings out of the bullpen. But again, this team is going to be carried by the fact that they have an amazing starting outfield, Two other outfielders who can get a bat to DH. Great corner infield. Still have Yanni Molina. Added Albert Pujols back. Have a good middle infield of Paul DeYoung and Tommy Edmond. This, that's why this team is a wildcard team. I don't know with the, how many which wildcard spot they're going to get because they got competition from the West and the East. But this is definitely a playoff team that won't have to go on this huge run. Now, the thing I don't understand about the Cardinals was they went on this huge run and they've been pretty much... A successful team where they don't miss the playoff back-to-back years. 
But they said to Mike Schill, I'm sorry. Even though you replaced the previous manager and we didn't like do a whole research, we just was like, okay, you're the interim, you're the manager. They let him go and promoted Oliver Marmol to becoming the the the, co- the manager. And he's been on the staff for a while. I saw him when I went to St. Louis. Like I'm like, okay, Oliver Marmol is like not like Paul, not like Mike Schilt, who's been coaching and managing for years and finally got his opportunity. This dude is only 35 years old, and he's obvious, and and he played for the Cardinals in the minor leagues, but it's not like he, I mean, he played for the Pirates in the minor leagues, but he really didn't do anything. It was that he managed in the minor leagues for the Cardinals all the way in rookie ball. So again, he started coaching very young, so he's got the experience as a thing, and then he continued to work his way up to being the third, the first base coach for the 17 season. Then he became the bench coach. So it's like, okay, he's worked his way up, but I don't really get him as the guy to play Mike Schilt after what Mike Schilt did. Now, I do like that they they hired Skip Schumacher away from San Diego. When I went to see St. Louis, he got a huge ovation because they're celebrating the World Series, but he also because of he's a, he the, he's a coach on the Padres before. So that was a good move to pick him up. They still got Mike Maddox as the pitching coach, and Willie McGee is still there. So it's like, okay, you add Skip Schumacher, who's had this a coaching experience with the Padres, and all the Cardinals fans love him. Now, the next team is the Cubs. The Cubs are not, you know, guaranteed a playoff spot, but that didn't stop them from making moves. Last year, it took them, was the year where they're like, well, the last few years have not been good. So, because they have not been good, when they finally traded Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo. They didn't trade Wilson Contreras or Kyle Hendricks. But pretty much all the major starting pitching, like Arietta Lester, gone and reti- are in retirement. All the major relievers they had in those teams, all have left them. And so they're like, yeah, we don't want to be a last place team. They really just said, you know, this is not who we want to be. We definitely do not want to be a last place team. But that's, I mean, a bad team. They're not going to be a last place team because the Pirates are still a team and the Reds have decided that, you know... That's that. So they decided, yeah, they're not going to want to be good anymore. So the Cubs have a chance to not finish in fourth place and have a losing record. They have a chance to be 500. They have a chance to be one of the wildcard teams because, as I mentioned, they added more wildcard teams. So, yeah, two years ago, they won a division. Very close. This, this last year, they finished fourth. I did not like that feeling. If I were the Cubs GM, I would have traded... A lot of these guys way before you couldn't get value for them. But they said, you know what? We're going to actually try this. We really are because they went out and said to themselves, we're going to go add Jan Gomes as the backup catcher because if Wilson Contreras gets hurt or if we're not in the race, then we're going to trade. We're going to have Jan Gomes. So that was a good move as Jan Gomes is your backup catcher. Then they said, well, Nick Madrigal, even though we got him in the Craig Krimble trade, he is the most healthiest guy. So they went out and signed Jonathan VR, a super utility player. They still got Nico Horner on the roster and David Bodie. So they got some useful pieces. They are in love with this Frank Schwindel, this career journeyman dude who really didn't get up, who really just bounced from team to team. And Patrick Wisdom, who was the Rangers just never gave a chance to. So between Wisdom and Schwindel. And this Alfonso Rivas, they got three natural-born first basemen, which I don't understand. There's no point of these guys. If you're trying to make the playoffs, you don't want to play journeymen or guys 
who have never get an opportunity or guys who never who don't really need to be playing. Because if you want to play Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal in your infield between second base and third base, that's cool. You did sign on Jolton Simmons. That's a move for playoff teams. You want a veteran guy who's won a gold glove just to handle the position, and getting a guy like VR is a useful piece. So they, so David Ross is going to have a hard time figuring out his defensive lineman. He's also going to figure out the outfield alignment because they signed Clint Frazier. And at this point, I said to myself, that's a good move. He hasn't been healthy in New York. He's got experience playing all outfield spots. So if he's in left field, and Ian Haps, who's finally the last few years put it together as an offensive player, is your center fielder, you still have Hermosillo and Rafael Ortega, former Angels players, as really good backup outfielders. You also have the potential this Greg Deichman, Deichman dude you got in a trade with the A's. He could potentially be a good player. Then they have Jason Hayward, who's still in their contract for two more seasons. So he is what he is. A good defensive player, a good clubhouse presence, the occasional bat. I'm like, okay, that's good. That's the outfield. They go out and spend money on this Saya Suzuki dude from Japan who, what I don't get is, man, this dude was signed for so many years. And in spring training, he's been playing a lot of right field and they're playing a lot of Hayward and center. What the Cubs fans need to remember is when they were playing Chris Bryant in the outfield and they had Carlos Gonzalez and, and Nicky Castellanos playing corner spots with Chris Bryant, that pushed Hayward to center field. And you know what happened those years? Hayward's offensive numbers were really bad, and the dude wasn't a great defensive center fielder. The years that Jason Hayward starts over 130 to 140 games in right field, he's always considered one of the five best defensive right fielders in all of baseball, probably top three, and his offense is okay. But playing him in center field is going to be a mistake. Suzuki is a whole lot younger than Jason Hayward. He should be getting... He should be playing center field or have Clint Frazier, who isn't center fielder, or Ian Happ be the one in center field and do some sort of rotation because Hayward should never be playing right field. It should be Clint Frazier, Ian Happ, okay, because you're just going to be, it's about value. You pay Jason Hayward all this money to be a top defensive right fielder. You don't pay him to be a center, a below average center fielder. That's really the, the issue there. Pitching staff wise, they're like, we need to just redo everything. So they already obviously have Kyle Hendricks. He's still there. But they went aside to Marcus Stroman. At the time, I was like, really? The Cubs are not going anywhere. Why is Stroman doing that? The Cubs brought Drew Smiley back in. They added Wayne Miley off waiver. They've signed Jesse Chavez, a swing guy. Robert Gazelman, a swing guy. Steven Brolt, the former Pirates pitcher, who, in my opinion, is a good fifth starter. If it's a playoff team, being in the Pirates, a lot of expectations. Daniel Norris, who's also a swing guy because he's been a starter and reliever. And... They sign relief pitchers Michael Givens, Chris Martin, and David Robertson. Dave Robertson pitched for Team USA last year in Tampa Bay, really showed that he was healthy enough. And the dude's been one of the best closers in baseball when he was healthy. Chris Martin was a closer for both Atlanta and Texas at one point, and Michael Givens at one point was one of the best setup men for the Orioles. So they overnight just completely overhauled the whole entire system for them because they also added the Steven Gun. Gonzalez, dude, who's been around the block as a relief pitcher. Mark Leiter Jr., who's been around the block. Eric Stout, who, when healthy, was around the block. And Eric Yardley. So, like, there and then, they're like, okay, we signed all these veterans to Miley contracts. Not all of them are going to make the roster, even with the extended roster, as I forgot to mention. 28 players, no ro- limit on how many pitchers you can have because of, because of the expanded rosters, because of the shortened spring training. They even said, besides John Gomes, 
We signed Jonathan Hicks to a minor league deal. That dude's been a backup catcher. They brought back Robel Garcia. They still have Ildemaro Vargas on the roster. They've brought in Dixon Machado. Like, they're not joking. They're like, we got, we got ourselves all the infielders possible to, to, to put around on Jelton Simmons, who's only guaranteed guy to start every day at one position. And as I mentioned, having Ortega, Hermosillo, Ian Happ, Clint Frazier, Jason Hayward, Dishman, and the Suzuki guy, they, they're definitely not joking about the outfield and how they're going to do it. And by signing Hicks and Gomes, they got the good catching. And then I just mentioned, every single one of these pitchers will either start innings for the Cubs or relief for them. So there's no guarantee that Jesse Chavez, Gazelman, Brault, Daniel Norris, Adrian Sampson, or even Gonzalez or Mark or uh, you know Yardley or Stout, any of these guys will start innings. But definitely at some point they'll pitch innings. And if the Cubs do not have a good season, everything just implodes and they become a you know and they become a a team that's just bad because either injuries happen and they're using all these guys that they sign a minor league deal like a Corey Abbott or a Matt Dermody. They can trade every single one of these veteran pitchers or veteran utility players or backups to anybody. And they can always then go, okay, cool, we can trade guys and continue to build a farm system that way. That's the thing. The Cubs bullpen, they really, really overnight redid it because the only pitchers that I knew were going to be in the bullpen were Cody Hoyer. But, of course, he had Tommy John surgery. He's out for the year. And with all the additions to the rotation, even with the injury to Alizé, then it, and Brad Wick, it doesn't really matter. They got all the guys they could possibly have. So that is why the Cubs should be getting round of applause for just signing every single veteran player they could to a major or minor league deal to fix this team because Jason Hayward, Ian Happ, and Nico Horner, and Wills Contreras, and the many first basemen and David Bodie they had, that wasn't going to cut it. That was not going to cut it with the fact that the two teams above them in the Cardinals and Brewers are just better talented teams. The Brewers have an amazing rotation and bullpen. And all the other teams in the National League are just really good. Now the Reds. Let's get to the Reds. I don't understand what the Reds were doing. Yes, last year they finished in third place. And you're like, well, third place is not bad. But they were 12 games out of first place. They did, And they had a winning record. That's where I don't understand this. You had a winning record last year. And the previous season, you also were a playoff team with the expanded playoffs by, by you know, having a winning record when the season ended. And in 2019, you also, yeah, you also, but you finished in fourth place. So playoffs in 2020 pandemic season, winning record last season and finishing in third place. I didn't understand why they made the, all these moves. So one of the first moves they made was say goodbye to Tucker Barnhart. Their former backup catcher who became a starter and won some gold gloves. So they are now fully turning it over to Tyler Stevenson, the backup. Okay? This dude's like a 27-year-old catcher. I'm not really sure. Not 27. 20, yeah, 20, not 27. I don't know what I'm talking about. But yet, in terms of his age, I can't do math. But yeah. So this dude, they a lot of times Laddie year batted him in the middle of the lineup. He played first base. He's 25. That okay? If I don't know if this guy is, is a full-time catcher, we'll find out. They did not resign Nicky Castellanos whatsoever. So 
I was like, well, that's a good thing. Because then you could play this Aristi Aquino, who when he was a rookie bursted onto the scene, he could play right field or left field. Then I'm like, well, if he's also gone, that would mean maybe you don't have to play Nixon Zell in center field. And Shogo Akiyama could play center field. Or Tyler Naquin could play center field. Real guys that actually play center field. But no, they go out and trade Jesse Winker. I'm like, okay, fine. They're, they're, they didn't want to re-sign some of their guys like Castellanos, and they decided that Tucker Barnhart, they just need him anymore. They go out and trade Jesse Winker. I'm like, okay, good. Now this is perfect. They have no set outfield. Nixon Zelkin with the left field, and you can play Naquin in center and Aquino in right field. That's not a bad outfield. It, it improves everybody defensively. Offensively, they can focus on what they need to do because they're not playing out of position because Aquino played some games in center, which is not what he is. But they go on to Tommy Pham. He's a veteran left fielder. We know You know what you get out of him. He's not a leadoff hitter or a middle-of-the-order hitter anymore. And any of those things, he's more of a bottom-of-the-order hitter, but he does what he's supposed to. Well, that just pushes Senzel back to center field, and I just don't understand that. In that trade for Justin Winker, they get Jake Fraley. He's a really good defensive outfielder, but he's more of a backup. So that just may... That would increase the fact that you can play Senzel in center, Famine left, and, a, and do a platoon of Aquino and Naquin in right field, and Fraley just becomes a defensive replacement. But in that trade, it's not that they trade Justin Winker, they traded, they traded themselves Suarez. And I was like, well, with the DH, I was picturing in my head, Castellanos, if he's still there, could be the DH. Mustakas could be the DH. With the officially, with Suarez's error in, in Cincinnati over after the failed experiment at shortstop, which ruined his offensive season, I was like, good, Mustakas will be the everyday third baseman. That will be good. But then they go out and sign Colin Moran. I'm like, Colin Moran is a third baseman still. He just moved over to first base because of Key Brian Hayes. It wasn't because he's such a bad defensive player, but they signed him to be their DH. And I'm like, I don't know why you can't just DH at Quino or Mustakis or whatever. So they got third base on lock with Mustakis. They still got Joey Votto at first base doing what he always does, and they got Moran at DH. Then they have Jonathan Inney, who won Rookie of the Year second base. So because he won Rookie of the Year last year, there's no way Nick Senzel was going to be the sec- move back to the infield. So I was like, maybe he'll be the infielder. Maybe not. They signed Donovan Solano. They still got Max Schrock. They still got this Jose Barrero dude. And they got Kyle Farmer, a catcher. So between Barrero, Kyle Farmer, Max Schrock, and Solano, they got a bunch of nobody at shortstop. Unless this Jose Barrero dude is healthy and proves that he's an everyday shortstop, the Reds didn't fix the shortstop problem. Nick Senzel is a former infielder, middle infield type of dude. I would have felt more comfortable with him at shortstop than, hit, than what they have at shortstop. And with Stevenson being the, the starting catcher, I don't know who the backup is. That's the problem. Now the rotation, they have Louis Castillo. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, but they said he's starting the year in the DL. They traded away one of the only good reliever pitchers they had in Amir Garrett, let Michael Relenzen walk, so they're starting over from scratch in that bullpen. But they got Mike Miner. I'm like, well, Mike Miner will eat some innings for them to replace the fact that they also said goodbye to Sonny Gray. So losing all these pitchers in Sonny Gray and Amir Garrett and Michael Lorenzen. But nope, Mike Miner's going to start the year in the DL. Then they got Justin Dunn in the trade with the with the Mariners. But they said that he's going to start the year in the DL. So I'm like, well, Dunn, Castillo, and Miner start the year in the DL. I just leave Tyler Mahi on an island alone with people that nobody's ever heard of in Reverse Stan Martin and Vladimir Gutierrez and Hunter Green, who's one of their top prospects. But that just means, like, yeah, it, nothing's going to really happen there. Bullpen, Lucas Sims used to start games for them. Jeff Hoffman's a former starting pitcher with the Rockies. Luis Sessa is another starting pitcher that the Yankees gave up on to the Reds. And then you got left-handed specialist Justin Wilson. 
that doesn't really scream like this pitching staff is great. And on minor league deals, Buck Farmer, the former Tigers pitcher, doesn't scream, oh my God. And Kyle Zimmer, the Royals' former relief pitcher who was converted after being a starter, also doesn't scream anything, nor does Ben Lively. And when it comes to minor league deals, Aramis Garcia seems to be the main guy to be the backup catcher. But again, never really proved it in San Francisco or Oakland, so I really don't know there. Then on minor league deals, they signed Jake Bowers, which again, I'm like, got Moran Mustalkis. A lot of outfielders and, and Votto. So he's probably not going to get playing time. Then I was excited they signed Brandon Drury because last year when the Mets had injuries, he proved useful playing second base, third base, first base, and corner outfield. His days of shortstop experiment in Toronto were some of the dumbest things. But of course, in spring training, what did I see this dude? At shortstop. And I'm like, no, you guys don't have a shortstop. I don't know why. Like, there's so many guys on the major league market that could have signed. This guy's in the minor league market. Like Yomer Sanchez, just example who the Red Sox have, and Rob Refschneider, the Red Sox have. These are infielders. You could play them there. Like Freddie Galvis went overseas. They've already done that before, but they could have also had Jonathan VR. And a minor league deals, the best thing, in, in my opinion, was sending Albert Amora Jr. Because, no offense to the likes of Jacob Fraley and Tyler Naquin, Fraley's a backup. Naquin has been playing a lot of corner for the Reds. And a and, and Nick Senzel is not cast center fielder that Amora, I know he can't hit, but he'd be a really good center fielder for a team not going anywhere to give him a chance to reevaluate and recoup what he used to be. But again, the Reds are not trying. They let so many pitchers leave via free agency or trade that are starting and relieving. And if you're Castillo done, three of your four starting pitchers are going to start the year in the DL, and you don't really have a bullpen because you got starting pitching and Justin Wilson doesn't do that much and you continue to throw Nick Senzel in center field by getting Tommy Pham by, and only getting backups in Fraley and Naquin to be on your team with the, the youngster Aquino that just keeps him in center and by getting Colin Moran to DH first base with Musaka's Vado at least you got some power in the lineup but again Solano, Kyle Farmer, Max Schrock, my guy Brandon Drury and, and, and are not starters. Solano's a backup, Schrock's a backup, Drury's a backup, and Kyle Farmer is a catcher. There's no need for him to be playing shortstop. Give the job to Jose Barrero because you're not going anywhere. That makes the most sense. That's my thing. The other, the novel idea is putting Nixon's L back in the infield, but they're too committed to him in the outfield. Okay? And then the lastly, I need the Pirates, man. They used to have this great outfield of Andrew McCutcheon and Gregory Polanco, who couldn't stay healthy, and Starling Marte, who couldn't stay healthy and got busted for PED. That era is gone. They don't. Colin Moran's gone. Josh Bell's gone. They, Adam Frazier's gone. They even traded Jacob Stallings, who won a gold glove, who used to be their third string catcher, their second string catcher, and then their starting catcher. They said goodbye to him. He's gone. So it's like a lot of like, okay, who's on this team? So the best player on this team is Brian Reynolds. And in his first few years in the major leagues, he was a great hitter. Number two hitter. He could probably could be for a batting title. But then in the pandemic season, they had a bunch of injuries and COVID. And they didn't have anybody to play center field. So he threw in there for some game of center field. Then last year, they continued to do this. In spite of the fact that at the beginning of the season, they had some center fielders in the four-man roster. And throughout the year, they picked up the likes of Greg Allen and Anthony Alford. Allen. Hasn't been healthy. Alford never lived up his potential with Toronto. The two of them are natural board center fielders. The Pirates don't have any set outfielders because of Allen mostly being a backup and Ben Gamble mostly being a backup and Anthony Alford being a failed 
prospect. Travis Swaggerty, he hasn't proven anything. So you're just looking at this off like, okay, you want to protect your best asset, and that's Ryan Reynolds. He's a left fielder. Play him in left field. Play Ben Gamble in right field. And just platoon Alfred and Allen because one's a righty and one's a switch hitter and see what you get there. Because you have three natural-born center fielders in your roster. Infield, the second best asset they have on this team is... Key Brian Hayes, who's the reason why Kyle Moran moved over to first base. He's They got that third base on lock. The issue is Kevin Newman last year was one of the league leaders in like hits and average for the most of the season, but then all of a sudden they stopped using him. Well, there's no excuse. No JT Riddle, no Eric Gonzalez, no Kramer, no Adam Frazier in the infield. Well, they're still not sure what Cole Tucker, again, a guy who they also had a shortstop because he was, he was playing the outfield. They don't have something set in the infield whatsoever. Cole Tucker, Kevin Newman, doesn't matter how you line it up, once you play shortstop and once you play second base with Key Brian Hayes. First base, Daniel Vogelbach is a good guy to sign because he can get a lot of home runs if you give enough at bats at first base or DH. And they kept Yoshi Susugo, which is a good idea because he played corner outfield last year again. Not an outfielder. The two of them playing first base and DH and, and providing you some offense protection for Brian Reynolds or Key Brian Hayes is a good idea. You can always flip Vogelbach at the deadline. Josh Van Meter, super utility guy, doesn't matter. Michael Chavis is a man without a position who, at this point, the Pirates should not worry about giving him a brass because he's a utility guy. And catching-wise, they picked up Cleveland Indians starting catcher Roberto Perez, who hasn't been healthy the past few years. He'll be a good enough guy to just be a stopgap, but also a guy you can trade. Pitching-wise, they said goodbye to a lot of pitchers in the recent things like Brault and Nick Kingham and Chad Cool and Tyone, you name it. So the best pitcher they have is Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller is the guy they developed. He's the guy that they are going to keep for a while. Jose Quintana is trying to rebuild his value as a healthy starting pitcher. He's most likely going to be traded at the deadline. They still got Will Crow from the Nationals, and they got, the, they got JT Baradaburker and Zach Thompson. Eh, okay. Quintana will definitely be traded at some point. Mitch Keller is really the best pitcher on this staff. And Chris Stratton is a relief pitcher. Is not a relief pitcher. He's a starting pitcher pitching out of bullpen. The only relievers of any value are Heath Hembury and Dale Underwood. Both those guys will definitely be flipped to somebody at the deadline. Maybe Dylan Peters as well. And Anthony Banda used to be a starting pitcher. And backup catching-wise, they decided we're going to go double down on Perez. They got Michael Perez. Because the only thing on my league deal is guy that they already had, Chase DeYoung. He's a guy you can flip as well. And signing Jared Eikhoff is a good idea because once you trade Quintana and a bunch of these veteran relievers you do have, give him some starts. When healthy, he's an okay fifth starter. And that's it. The Pirates are just going to continue to stink because only got really two good starting pitchers. No real good, rel- two veteran relief pitchers they can deal. They got third base on lock. They got first base in DH pretty good, and they just need to play Tucker and Newman every day in the infield and stop playing Brian Reynolds in center field, and they'll be fine. The Reds are purposely trying to lose, but they're not as bad as the Pirates. And the Cubs made so many moves that it's hard for them to not finish third place. That's that, 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 that right there. Cardinals are going to be a wild card team. They don't have to go on the historic pace. And the Brewers will win this division because they got top-tier starting pitching, top bullpen, good position players. So thanks for listening to another edition of baseball of the baseball preview for the NL Central for On the Radar and Radar. And as always, get your podcast wherever you get on the radar. See you guys next time.